morning great morning welcome back to the noodleberg daily huddle great to have you back in the seat what's it been like a full week you take it's it a been full a week full I, I don't think i was it last thursday maybe was when it i must did have it. been it last thursday right totally wow. totally crazy an awesome time shout out to uh pam and sam sammy who hosted us in aspen it was just delightful every morning waking up to um 47 degree weather was just completely insane but uh a really really a fantastic time and then right back into it um the only comment i will say is that the state of air travel is completely fucked up <laughs> it just basically abuse you you have no idea when or if you're going to get to your destination it's just yeah it's rough you know, it's totally totally so i, I got I got stuck in Dallas, had to stay overnight. And, you know, I mean, look, we, we teach ourselves to live above our circumstances. And so we made the most of it. But uh, it really is. It's just such a crazy, crazy world we're living in. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, and I think it depends on where you're traveling. I think certain routes are worse than others. The Dallas to Fort Lauderdale route is definitely or Dallas to South Florida, Miami or Fort Lauderdale doesn't matter. It's just not a good route. And then even Gabby last night, Gabby had a day trip to Charlotte and got out on time, but then had a 430 flight home that she did not take off until 630. They sat for two hours on the tarmac because Fort Lauderdale was closed because of all of the storms. And they actually had all three airports down here were shut down at the same time because of weather. So Love all it. South Love Florida it. flights. <laughs> Just like stop there was, on. yeah, yeah. So around that time, there was like a line going yeah. from like North Palm Beach, straight. and it it crushed the the air travel. And you know, I felt, I mean, for her, if she would have gotten stuck in Charlotte, she's planning on a day trip. You get stuck overnight on a day trip. You don't have a bag. You don't have toiletries. You don't have anything. Like you're just yeah, stuck. Well, I, did, I didn't have toiletries. <laughs> the hotel gave me this little, you know, tote bag. Yeah. It had like something that I think somebody made up. They called it a toothbrush, but it wasn't a, a real you thing. You didn't have toiletries? I did not have toiletries. Because you checked oh, you checked for a week. It. So <laughs> we had a big check bag. I just had my over bit. Boom. You know, nothing, man. So I was like, all right, thank you very oh, much. That's no clothes, no nothing. But anyway, here's the real thing. The I was glad I got back because I would do, I would not miss uh seeing one of ours, uh, Double G, uh, accept his award as Thought Leader of the Year and uh, was thrilled to be invited, was thrilled to be part of it. We had the huddle was well represented. Mr. White was there. Mr. Pink was there. No, sorry. Uh, Romy was there. Uh, Joy Linsky, um, who uh, they all we all sat at the same table. It was really great. Really That's fun. awesome. We talked about some good stuff. Um, so, um, Shay, do you have the, uh, the video of him accepting? Yeah. Let, let's see, uh, Greg accepting his award. I must give a shout out to two mentors, or as I call them, my two Steve's. 
Steve Fales was my boss for 12 years and has always been incredibly supportive in giving of himself and his knowledge to me. And many of you know Steve Newberg. It's this Steve who has been my first call for everything from the biggest wins to the most challenging defeats. I'm beyond thankful you are both here to share this honor with me. That's awesome. That's wow. so great. Real proud, yeah. uh, proud moment for me. He was there with his wife, his kids. Incredible. It's all uh, big congratulations celebrate. to Greg Goldstein. Celebrate, Super celebrate. excited for you. Glad that the Noodlebergs were able to represent there. And uh, while I was not on the huddle, Jake and Lori were holding it down for another fantastic episode. And I was on daddy duty. So it was all great. It's all good. Well, today it is Huddler in the Hot Seat. And we have uh, just an amazing guest, a dear friend, somebody that we get to work with. Actually, all of us are working with him as it, were, as it works out. Jake is working with him. But uh, wouldn't you know, it's incredible. Wouldn't you know that today is National Sons and Daughters Day? So you can't plan this shit, but can't wait to talk to Ed about uh, being a parent and getting to work with their kids and all that kind of stuff. So, Shay, wake us up. Let's play Ed's. Uh, you know, we'll walk up music and then uh, right into it. Let's do it. There is no pressure when it comes to talking. Ed Dykes, welcome. Uh, let me Thank just say you. that, you know, people say that when you work with, with people and you work with clients that they all become family, we are one big, gigantic family. No kidding. So, In a big, big way. Welcome to the show, Ed Dykes. Thank you. Well, um, I, um, I picked that song because... Um, uh, that undue pressure that I put on myself, you know, the old saying, you have to be uncomfortable to be comfortable. And that's a story of my life. You know, it's always been like that. I've always um, wanted to build and wanted to always do these, these crazy things. Like I'm going to build a store in Weston. Everybody said to me, are you crazy? Weston? It's a small little town. <laughs> Who the hell is going to go to your store in Weston, Florida? Well, wouldn't you know it? It's uh, 22 years later, as of August 1st, and here we are. Um, so and, yeah, we know your story. Not everybody in the audience knows your story. So, will you share the story of Ed Dykes and Weston Jewelers coming up through the jewelry and how you ended up wanting to build and grow? Okay, so um, basically, um, I grew up uh, on Long Island, um, originally uh, from Argentina, um, and uh, we migrated when 
I was very young, a uh, little lad, and um, grew up on the island. My dad had a jewelry store in Freeport, Long Island. Um, it was kind of a dumpy type of store, <laughs> very low <laughs> end. And I just said, there is no way I'm going to be in this type of business for my whole life. At already about 15, 16, I knew this is not what I want to, what I want to do. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, we moved down to Florida because the rest of the family had moved down to Florida and um, on my mother's side. So everybody decided, okay, let's move down to Florida. My dad sold the store in, in Long Island. I think he sold it for like $5,000. My mom was <laughs> in 1980. You know, that's how, what a dump it was. But listen, we made a living. You know, we were like lower middle class, but he made a living. He made a good living um, doing that. And, you know, he fed us and took care of us and... Um, Anyway, so um, came down here. I went to school um, in Jacksonville um, at Jacksonville University. Um, I was a rower um, out of uh, high school. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. And um, I just, I said, hey, you know, and I got a rowing scholarship uh, there. And also I, I was- I did this, not know that. I, I knew you as a rower. I didn't know you had a rowing scholarship. I didn't even know they handed out rowing scholarships. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> First person to receive a rowing scholarship at that school. in the history of the sport. <laughs> no, no, in that school. <laughs> anyway, um, I wanted to go to a school up north, but family wanted me to be down, wanted me um, to be closer. So um, I ended up in Jacksonville. Um, I was I was horrible in English, great at math, um, had a slight scholarship in, in mathematics as well. Um, I still have that great math ability and a horrible uh, English uh, and, uh, you know, that whole that whole verbal thing is just horrible. I don't story. agree with that. I think so, you have a good command of the language. I, I don't, uh, I, I, okay. your I, friend, I don't notice anything like that. Okay, thanks. I so you're, you're at JU, you're rowing at JU. What are you yeah. studying there? I'm studying um, management, uh, marketing and accounting. So you knew you were going to go into business. Uh, I knew I was going into business. So uh, my dad at that time um, opens up a store in Hialeah, Florida. Okay. Yeah. Um, a real hot spot for uh, hot high spot for, Yes, for a real high-end jewelry. Anyway, we became – so well, – um, well, anyway, I graduated from school um, in 84. In 85, basically, I'm working back in the – my dad says, hey, why don't you come into the business and let's build this thing. And we became, we basically became pawnbrokers, you know, so we realized that that's where the money was. Uh, we were charging 10%. You say you were in porn? Pawnbroker, no, pawn. You got to make sure that that's correct. Yeah. So I got to ask a question though, because at 15, 16, you're like, I'm never going into this business. This is not yeah. what I want to do. You get a rowing scholarship, you go to school. Right. And you move back home and you're convinced to go into business with your dad. Were yes. you still reluctant to do it? Or were you just like, ah, I'll do it and I'll see where it goes. I'll see where it goes type okay. of thing. You know, I had a passion kind of for watches and all this other stuff. So I really love that. And I said, you know, let, let me go into the business. What I had a passion for was just to make money, you know, and, and build. You know, I always love that building process, you know. Um, and I've always, I was a forward thinker always. Okay, how do I build this? How do we make this bigger? How do we make this? So we built it into quite a successful business. You know, we basically, so we were charging 10% a month um, interest, mm. usurious interest, which pawnbrokers fall under a different, you know, it's not like the banking system. 
So um, 120% interest a year on your monies. It was unbelievable. Um, yeah, and then we ended like up. Mob. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> you don't want to owe Ed money. Right. <laughs> right. So, so then in 1991, we ended up um, selling the business. At that point, we had two, two, two locations. Um, back then, there were only basically three pawnbrokers in all Hialeah. Today, wow. there's over 160 or 150 pawnbrokers. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it's a whole different world. So we were, we were it, you know, so it was, it was, it was great. You know, we, we really had a captured audience there. Um, so why did you sell the business? Uh, we got an offer that we couldn't refuse. <laughs> so <we did. laughs> that works every time. Yeah. Um, and it's a kind of a dangerous type of business. And so we were like, mm, you know, let's, let's kind of move on. How old were you when this happened? So um, this was in 91. Okay. Um, yeah. So whatever. Um, I was in my, uh, I was probably about 28, 29. Um, so you had been in the business for six years at that point? Seven yeah, years at that point? A little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. A little okay. bit longer. Um, and, but we were, I was in the business um, even before that because every summer when my dad had come the store, home. I'd come home. Familiar. And work, of course. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> the way fathers recruit you into the business, apparently. Right. <laughs> Happened up north when we had the store up north. You know, um, all the all these all the people that I know are they? Oh, I went to camp this. I went to camp, and I tell people I went to Camp Crest Hill, and they go, "Wow, I never heard of that." Yeah, that's that's the street that I lived on. It was called Crest Hill Court. That's where I lived. So that was the camp that I went to. <laughs> anyway. Unreal. Yeah, yeah. So I work. I went to work always every summer, and um, I I kind of knew the business. You know, at fifteen, sixteen, I already kind I knew you know what I wanted, and you know. So anyway, so get into the business. We sell the business. We open up in um, I'm downtown Miami one day, and um, we took uh, my dad says, "Hey, why don't we just take a break and this and that, and and then we'll fig figure out what we're gonna do." Mm -hmm. um, so I'm downtown Miami one day, and this is store in the Seaboat building for sale on the first floor. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. And head over to my dad. And th at this point, my brother-in-law also was in the business as well. So it's the three of us basically in the business. And um, I just said, hey, I, you know, this is a great store. I think that we, could, we should buy it. You know, So literally that day we went and we, we, we purchased this store from this guy. Uh, opened the store up, a small little store, and we, in a few years, we became really successful in that business. Um, but, but this was a shifting concept for you, right? Uh, like you guys had gone yes, from being yeah. in the pawn business to pawnbrokers to basically wholesalers and retailers at the same time. And so I started importing then. And then I realized that um, the big thing was people importing from Italy and from other countries, you know, uh, product. Um, and people wanted uh, Italian goods. And so I started importing and realized that that's where the money was. Um, mm -hmm. And we built quite a business. Um, it was pretty busy and, and did really well. But I just didn't love it. I didn't love the environment of that type of business. Um, it was cutthroat in a big, big way um, mm -hmm. to the point where, you know, you buy something for 100 and you sell it for 105, you know, and mm -hmm. Work for me, you know. I and I always had this dream of this beautiful luxury business, you know, that I wanted. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to be so back then, you know. If you were in the watch business, you were a gray marketer, you know. And I didn't want to be a gray marketer. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't love that. 
Um, I didn't want to buy a watch and worry about where 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 this where, where was the origin of this watch, where did it come from, where you know. Sure. I wanted to buy directly from the manufacturer. I wanted to be, you know, the distributor of this of the brands, and I wanted to be an authorized dealer of everything. So in 1999, I started to think, okay, what am I going to do? And they were building the town center um, at the time, and um, I went in there and I started talking to them, and I said, you know what? I think I'm going to put a store here and I'm going to leave the family business. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was a big move. Um, I literally just one day took my dad out to dinner, handed the keys over to him and said, I'm opening up this store in, in West End. and literally with, you know, all my monies were basically in the business and yeah. downtown, and literally opened up West Enduros with like, Zero. <laughs> and so you had key takeaways that I want to share. Yeah. First of all, you've used the word vision a bunch of times. You kept yeah. seeing what was going to happen really key. So you saw this luxury business. I, I can tell, you know, anybody out there that wants, to, if you can't see it, it can never happen. So, you know, really, right. you know, kudos to you. Yes. So, you know, and of course, you know, Tracy, you know, my wife, Tracy, she, you know, was pushing the boss, by the way, the real boss, the real boss, you know, she basically said, listen, now is the time to make the move. I mean, I'm, I'm writing back to you. We'll make it happen. Um, she was at that time, she was a prosecutor at the state attorney's office in uh, Dade County. Um, and um, she, once the kids were born, she left that. Uh, because so shout out to Tracy because Weston jewelers would not be around if it wasn't for Tracy supporting Ed to do it. And the legacy of the she's responsible for the two legacies of the business. Right, right, right. Yeah. So um, anyway, um, so in 2000, so by the time I got it, it was all built up and all. Uh, we opened the store August 1st of 2001. Um, and then, of course, 9-11 comes along. You know, you. and I'm like, you very much. holy shit, you know, so I'm like right. freaking out, you know, um, but I figured it all yeah, out. You can't run the daddy anymore, right? <laughs> I run the daddy. No, that, you know what? And my dad said, you know, if it doesn't work out, you can come back and this and that. And I said that I said to my father, I said, well, if it doesn't work out for you, uh, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I left him with my brother-in-law. To uh, in the business, um, they ended up closing it about. Well, they ended up selling it about two years later. Yeah. Um, you know, the, there was a lot of issues where I wanted to do certain expansions and this and that. I wanted to, you know, sure, you had a vision I, for how to grow I, it and really, a vision of you know, you know, grandeur. You know, I always wanted to, like I said, I, I wanted this. You know, I wanted to have this. You know, chain of stores and. All yeah. this other stuff, you know, that we're, yeah. we're working right now. So um, I want to shift gears because I want to make sure we get, you're a major storyteller. You do great. Yeah. <laughs> I want to I talk about one particular story. And then I want you to talk about the family side of having your kids yeah, in yeah. it. Because that's relative to us yeah. and relative to our business. Um, so you talked about this luxury store, you know, new store is not going to get Rolex. No. So <laughs> I want you to share with the audience your right, Rolex sorry. story. You're one of, if not the top retailer for Ro Rolex, and so it started be, with no. <laughs> exactly. Well, to give you an idea, there's 20,000 jewelers in the United States, and we're we're considered top 100 jewelry stores in the country. Wow. And that's a, yeah. Um, so, so um, 
actually started off, um, I said, I have to get my foot into Richmond. So that's Cartier. And that's what we started off with. So in 2002, um, uh, we went over to, Tracy and I went over to Switzerland and we were walking around in, uh, in Geneva uh, at what's called SIHH. And that's where all the brands show their, you know, everything. I walk into Balmercier and I said, hey, I'd like the Balmercier line. And I convinced them to give me the Balmercier line. Um, the funniest thing is the president at the time, um, Thomas Van der Kellen, who's still a close friend of mine, says to me, you know, I said to him, look, I have this beautiful store that I'm opening up in Western Florida, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he says to me, you know, you're so fucking crazy that I'm going to give you the line. Because <laughs> he says, why would you go from wholesale making all this money and now you want to go into retail? Are you fucking crazy? So he goes, because you're so crazy, here, I'm going to give you the Balmercier line. Well, anyway, then after that, I walk into Cartier, which is there exhibiting as well. And I walk in. They literally sit me at the edge of this couch within this beautiful, you know, they have this, um, they present themselves incredibly. Can you imagine these booths are just mammoth? It's mm -hmm. just the, the luxury. You can just feel it, you know. And so I'm at the edge literally of this, of this um, couch, not re really in the booth, but like kind of almost outside the booth, not in the booth. And I'm sitting at the edge and... Tracy says to me, are you crazy? Do you think you're going to get the Cartier line? We just opened up our store. I go, no, no, I'm going to get this line. She goes, no, no, but no one's going to give you this. We have no history. I said, I'll get it. So I talk to somebody, and the woman that comes out says to me, well, you know, the chances of you getting it is slim to none. You're looking probably about five to seven years away for us to even discuss it. Okay, perfect. Following year, go back again. Walk in there walk into Cartier, and now I'm sitting a little bit closer in. And I realize, let me sit in the middle of the couch instead of the edge of the couch. You know? <laughs> Another person comes, comes out to me, and it's a different rep at this time. And so Coralie comes to me and says, hi, I say, I'm from Western Jewelry, blah, blah, blah. Give her this whole story. And I've already, they already have all my, I, I sent them my financials. I sent them everything, sure. you know, not much financials, but I sent them what I had. Um, thank God, you know what, we were, we were doing really well. And it was always, it was just, this is already our second year in already. And we were very fortunate. We were in a great place um, and it worked out really well from the beginning, you know, even after 9-11 and all. Mm -hmm. um, so she said to me, um, you know, um, why don't you come back in about half an hour um, I want to present you to Michael Spezzoletti, who's head of wholesale for Cartier. I said, sure, I'll do that. So Tracy's not even in the booth with me. Mm. Tracy is outside, just like, yeah, sure, this is going like, to happen. <laughs> Never going to happen. And I said to her, we have to come back in half an hour. She goes, what? She goes, we have to come back in half an hour. I go, uh, and she goes, okay. So we come back. He takes us outside. We sit outside in a bar area that they have there. And he starts talking to me. He goes, you know, we're looking to open up some dealers. We're not going to, we can't say yes or no, whatever. We're going to come and look at your store. We're going to, you know, see what's going on. So I said, no problem. Come whenever you'd like. Um, and about literally like a month later, they're in the store, come in. Hello. How are you? Blah, blah. And gone. I mean, like if I tell you, like it was in and out maybe half an hour, the whole thing. Wow. In December, I get a call. This is, this is May. In December, I get a call 
and it's Coralie. I go, hey, Coralie, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And she says, um, I have some great news for you. I go, what's that? She goes, we're going to open you up as an account. <laughs> that's it. She goes, and then there's the but, you know. Yeah. Um, but I go, okay, but you have to have a bigger store. I go, you are planning on putting a bigger store because Cartier needs a bigger presence. And I said, oh, absolutely. I've been working on that. I've been working on that. Sure. I got the plans in place already. Yep. I hang up the phone. I'm like, holy shit. So, you know, I call, I, I call Tracy and I said, okay, you won't believe this. We're getting the line. She goes, oh my God, what are we going to do? I said, I'll figure it out. Mm. So, I go to where our store is presently, and it was a figurine store at the time, and it was a lot smaller, but it was big. It was double the size of what I had. I had 1,097 square feet um, at the time, and I needed at least 23, 2,400 square feet to have Cartier. Um, and I go to the guy, and I said, hey, I, want, I need to buy out your store, whatever it takes. You know, what, Tell me what you want. Mm. So I ended up buying out. I, I literally bought the key from him, you know, and then I sold my store for double the amount that I bought the other store for from the <laughs> <laughs> to another to somebody else. Yeah. So I still had that, you know, ability yeah. to do that. Anyway, we get the Cartier line finally. We get it all, we get it in the store. And it was just from there, it's just a complete success story because of course it did incredibly. And I realized that I just needed to ramp up everything i needed to have all these luxury brands it was in you know if it, it was all about the luxury brands and and especially when you're in a what's called a guild store like ours it's all about the brands and then it's about you know western jewelers so, so i want to i want to ask you you've you got two Mark, kids it, it's it's 23 after so uh, oh my god last, okay, last question not last question because i think this is important. Let's, let's talk about the family. Family. Well, anyway so in 2015, really quickly, I get Rolex as well. Uh, incredibly hard brand to get. Um, it took me literally 14 years to get the Rolex brand. You know, right. of, of me sending letters to them. Talk about persistence. 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 One last question. Go to take it, Mark. One last. So question. you've had two kids, right? Yeah. You yeah. were recruited yeah. into the business by your right. dad. There was he was recruiting you the whole way. There was yeah. no options. Right. You have one. Your son is in the business. Your daughter has her own career and has experimented with other things. Yes. Being an entrepreneur with two kids, there's a natural desire for your kids to come into the business with you. How have you managed your own desire and allowed them to find it their own way? <laughs> well, I literally—that's why they call it the hot seat. <laughs> yeah. It literally took poor Jesse. You know, he graduates and he gets his graduate gemology degree in New York. And I literally took him and threw him at the into the Hard Rock store. Remember, we had the pandemic came along. And then as soon as we opened up, I said, Jess, you need to go there and you need to run that store. Mm. No, zero. But during the time that we were, we were, you know, closed down, we were talking and I was explaining what he needed to do. And he would call me up literally about 37 to 40 times a day, dad, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You have to help me, you know, like, so now it's at a point where he calls me and, ex and is explaining to me and telling me what I need to do. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I love that. And a lot of it has to do with Mark. Thank ah, you. I appreciate you that. taught him all about process and he's a process guy. 
where I was never a great process guy. You and, and I both. That was never the first inclination we had to learn. Take the money and just like put it in your pocket. You're done, you know? <laughs> well, make your money, you know? Now yeah. it's all about, you know, it's all about the process. It's all, and that's how you scale a business, you know, mm -hmm. with the process. And that's how we're able to build into multiple stores and in the future have plans for multiple stores. And now my daughter, she was at NBC and now she left NBC. And I, and I basically sat down with her and I said, you know, you're only worth what that management thinks you're worth. Mm. Now being in the family business, you're worth whatever you want to be worth now. You get to decide your value. You get to decide what, decide what your value is and what you want to do within the business to make That's it happen. Awesome. There's so much that we could talk to you about and it right. was great. I just want everybody to leave knowing this. I think you're the nicest human being on the planet. Literally, <laughs> like if someone were to say, you know, your name, the word nice, everybody I know think this, oh yeah, what a nice man. You know, like, we left having dinner with you, we're in the car. He goes, what a nice guy. <laughs> I just, I, and I think like if anybody, if anybody doesn't know where the stores are, there's a store out in Weston, there's a store in the Hard Rock, and even if you're not really in the market for jewelry right now, you should go hang out and get stories from Ed and build the relationship because it's time well spent every single time. There's never a time that you hang out with Ed or Jesse that it's not just a great experience and warm. And then maybe you do get convinced to buy a watch or something like that as well. So. Great watches. We'll talk about that. But first, you're my friend. You know what? And it's all about that. It's all about. Wow, and look I, at this. People are asking for an encore. <laughs> you know what? And you know, you know what? what? We're leaving the show and you and Lori can run it. <laughs> I agree. I think we should have Ed back for a part two where he can go into a little bit more in depth on what it's like running a jewelry brand now, more about the Rolex story. So we will not next Friday, but. A few Fridays from now, we'll bring Ed back for a part two. Ed, thank you so much for being a huddler in the hot seat. We love you to death. We enjoy you so much. And uh, everybody, have a great weekend. The Dolphins play weekend. tonight thank for the you. first time. Let's thank go. You. Have a great weekend. Let's get down to business. Please don't worry about me. I'm about to let my heart speak. Friends keep telling me to leave this. So let's get down, let's get down to business Let's get down, let's get down to business